Hello and welcome to the Sankofa Book Club, a digital book club with a focus on African literature. Every month we read a book written by an author of African descent and discuss it on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and our podcast, which you're listening to now. Um, hosted by myself, Akuya, and co-host Mel. Sankofa means return and get it in Chi. It symbolizes learning from your past and that is exactly what we hope to do. Learn about African history, African culture and how it affects us. So without further ado... Let's go get it. Hello, hello, hello. Hi, peeps. Welcome to the Sankofa Book Club podcast. Yes. Woo. My name's Aquia. And I'm Melody. And we are your hosts. Yes. <laughs> this back and forth is jokes. I know, right? <laughs> it's like we planned it. But um, yeah, anyway, we're talking about our first book, Americana, by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. Mel did her homework and now she can say... I'm like an honorary... She can say Uber. my big sister's name, so I'm really proud of her. Thanks. I had to learn it too. <laughs> no, true. That's <laughs> true. But so, yes, yeah. Americana. What is this story about? Let's just start by just giving a brief outline. Spoiler alert. This entire podcast is a spoiler. And so I'm going to start by giving a synopsis, a complete (laughs) synopsis of the book, just really briefly. So this story is about Ifemelu and Obinze, two teenagers who met um, at secondary school in Lagos, Nigeria. And they fall in love. (laughs) They become inseparable and they date throughout university. But unfortunately, the education system is suffering. Lecturers are constantly striking, facilities are poor. And so students are looking for opportunities to complete their degrees elsewhere. So in their third year, Ifemelu gets a place to study in America and she moves and Obinze plans to follow suit after completing his degree in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So they're doing long distance um, while she gets used to the new country and the new school. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Obinze is unsuccessful in getting an American visa and in and amongst the struggles of Ifemelu's new life, particularly financial struggles, she suffers from depression. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> sad it is sad but yeah um, and in that time she just excommunicates Sabinza completely she doesn't reach out to him until years later so after his American visa was denied he struggles to find work in Nigeria and he actually moves to the UK as an illegal immigrant working under different people's names doing dodgy stuff like that and he tries to legitimize his stay Mm -hmm. in the UK but he gets caught at the final hour in a a sham marriage and he's deported Meanwhile, Ifemelu is doing very well academically and professionally in America as a blogger navigating issues of race um, over the years. And when Obinze returns to Nigeria, he actually becomes a successful entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and does what is expected of him. He gets married and he has a child. Um, And so years later, I think it's about 13 years later, Ifemelu decides to move back to Nigeria Mm -hmm. um, after living in America for... 13 years which really wasn't as straightforward as she expected but nevertheless she and Obinze finally reconcile and rekindle their love happy Beautiful. ending yeah well is it a happy ending oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true that is that's up, up for, for debate, debate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah let's talk about the author and the context and the setting in which this story was written yes so Chimamanda is um well she was born in Nigeria she's from Nigeria um and she grew up in an area called Nsuka. I think where Obinze was actually, 
he was brought up yeah. as well. So, yeah. Um, and her parents, um, well, her dad was an academic and he taught at the university in that area. And her mother was a registrar for the university. Um, and she ended up studying pharmacy and medicine, which I think is so completely different from what she's doing right now. Or maybe it sort of led her to that fate. But anyway, we'll yeah. <laughs> then she managed to gain a scholarship to study communications in Philadelphia. Um, so she went out there and during her time, um, she wrote a couple of articles for the university. So it was during 2003 that she received um, a master's in creative writing from John Hopkins University. And that's when she published her first novel, Purple Hibiscus. Um, so, yeah, she's published Purple Hibiscus, Americana, and then also another book, Half of a Yellow Sun. Um, there's a movie out there based on that book, too. So if no you... comment on the movie. <laughs> <Lol>. <laughs> um, she also was a fellow at Princeton University as well during 2005 and 2006, that academic year. Um, and she earned a master's in African studies from Yale University in 2008. So there's clearly a history of her being um, very passionate about Super literature. academic as well. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, and well, her, currently her life now, she's married and she has a child, a daughter, which I remember caused a bit of uproar in social media because she I, kept that quiet. It wasn't that it caused uproar, but I remember like she gets a lot of hate especially mm. in Nigeria. So I think, I remember there was an article that went viral about how she's unfit to be a mother. Mm. That's some BS. By whose standard? It, that's, that's the thing. It's, what the it's hell? It's by whose standard. But yeah, anyway. Crazy. Um, so yeah, that's just a bit of the backstory of Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just happy that I'm able to pronounce it a lot more better. Um, but now to talk about the setting of the book. Um, there are various locations that are mentioned in the book. We start off with Nigeria, um, where Ifemelu and Obinze grew up under um, a military government. Um, and then they studied in Lagos. I think Ifemelu studied in Lagos. Ifemelu studied he in Lagos. Stayed in Nsukka because oh, his yes. mum was unwell. Yes, she was a professor there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, shortly after um, Ifemelu... Um, went to study in America and then Obinze travelled to the UK. Um, and during, whilst I stay in America, that was around the time of the 9-11 terrorist attack. Um, if anyone remembers that, you should do anyway. Prominent date. Um, and then she arrives back into Amer- um, into Nigeria, sorry, and so does Obinze. And um, Nigeria is less under a dictatorship or like a military regime. It's a lot more democratic. So, yeah. Cool. So, what did you think? I love this book. Yeah? I really love this book. It's my second favourite book in the world now. Okay. And I think I loved it because I just found it really relatable. Mm-hmm. In that, I've heard quite a few people say, oh, this is my life story. And I've always been like, houseway. Like, not, and the, I think it always, come, it always comes from people who are like, white and so i'm like how how do you relate to it but i think most people relate to it in terms of being a feminist but even the different africans or black people i see relate to it it's just the 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 commentary on cross culture yeah and their experiences growing up in different cultures and them kind of all melting into one and so what i loved is that you have a perspective of when she was actually living in nigeria her perspective when she moved to the u.s and then the perspective on when she came back because 
even though essentially Nigeria had not changed that much to her because Mm -hmm. her experiences were so varied now, Mm -hmm. Nigeria had changed drastically, which is really amusing. And I really identify with that because I lived in the UK, then I lived in Ghana, then I came back to the UK. Mm -hmm. And each section was completely different. It was the same UK I left, but Mm -hmm. it just felt different because I was different. Mm -hmm. And it's the same when I go back to Ghana. It's just a completely different experience. Mm -hmm. So I I just really enjoyed that side of it. I enjoyed that how she was able to capture the cross-culture. Mm. Yeah. What about you? What do you like? What do you think? Um, I enjoyed it too. I really loved it. Um, I loved it for a similar reason to you as well. Um, being able to read a book and relate to a character. Um, normally, the, the novels that I, type, that I tend to read, they have either white male or white female who is the main character. Mm. So it was nice to relate to a character that also went to the hairdresser and, and chilled there all day. And chilled there all day, <laughs> like she understood it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed that part. I also um, I also liked um, a different perspective that it, it showed in terms of like the hustle of people that have immigrated to like, let's say the West. Mm. So I've, I've grown up in London all my life and I do have uncles that have um, traveled, sorry, they've immigrated from Ghana to the UK. And when I was younger and even up until recently, let's not lie. Um, I think I didn't, um, I didn't realize how the adjustment would be difficult for them and how they would have to really, um, yeah, that, that, that the difference in environment would require them to work a lot harder just because of the way certain perceptions people would have of people like them. Um, so yeah, I found a new found respect for people that have immigrated. Um, and yeah, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. It was a, it was a great book. Yeah. I echo that as well. Like the, the hustle, like how people get here, what the, you know, just, you can never judge a book by its cover or its accent. (laughs) True. So yeah, let's get into some of the themes in the book. I mean, I think there are loads that you can really pick apart, major or minor, but um, we'll just talk about a few of them. Mm -hmm. I think the first one's quite obvious, um, race. Yeah. And particularly from the perspective that if Emily writes about it on her blog, the American black versus the non-American black. Interesting. Yeah, I, I loved that because I've always known that, you know, be it black Americans uh, or people from Africa who have immigrated. For us in the UK, it could be, do you identify as black British or are you, you know, Nigerian, are you Ghanaian, are you Congolese, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think because we all have the same color skin Mm -hmm. and society will often group you together, you kind of forget that you actually have very different cultures. Well, Mm -hmm. I don't forget. I think think that's the thing. Some people forget. And for others, it's actually really prominent. Mm -hmm. And so I just love the way that she highlighted that because I think for a lot of people, it's something that you don't think about. Mm -hmm. And I just just thought, yeah, the way she she really tackled that was so interesting. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I say, even though these different groups of people have a different relationship with America, Mm -hmm. they are grouped together because of the color of their skin. It's not until you really get to know an individual that you realize that, oh, they're not, you know, an ancestor of a slave in, in, in the American context or, oh, their dad is like a doctor. (laughs) You know, it it takes a while for you to, to get to know that person. Um, I think race is probably a bigger deal in America than it is or is it just that it's less hidden here it's more hidden sorry yeah i think the uk is a bit more classist than they are racist 
Yeah. And and it's not to say racism doesn't exist. I definitely mm. believe racism it exists. Does. Yeah. Or people are conscious of race, but I actually hear people speak more about class, not necessarily amongst black people. Yeah. But more English or British people, they Yeah. Class is more of an issue for them, if yeah. you will. Yeah. So yeah, I really like that. And yeah, just analyzing that, understanding that and seeing where I fit into it. Mm. You know, how I identify. What mm-hmm. about you? What did you think of that? Um, I found it really interesting. I, I liked, especially the part where she spoke about how black, being black, only became a thing when she arrived in America. Mm. Um, and I actually recall a moment when, do you remember when we went to Uganda a couple of years back? Yeah. And I was telling you how I really... It felt really refreshing seeing loads of black people. I get that. And I feel the same every time I go to yeah. Ghana. It's like, it takes me a while to be like, why, why? Oh, no. everyone's dancing like me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. it is nice. So yeah, it made me realise that race really only is a, a big thing when you go into an environment where it's multicultural, or there's only one particular type. Of, yeah, where, where you're yeah. a minority. Basically, because yeah. Because even, even when you're in the majority, you don't care. There are like yeah. white people and Asians in, in Africa. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not, you know, it, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't phase me as much because I'm not in the minority. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed that part, being aware of it. And then also... There was another interesting part in the book where um, Ifemelu, she was um, working for Kimberly in her house mm. and there was this carpet cleaner. Do you remember? He knocked on the door and then he saw her mm. and he, first he looked really yeah. welcoming and then yeah. he saw the big house and this black girl there and then he started getting, well, he showed, expressed the fact that he, was, he wasn't happy about it yeah. or he was upset. Yeah. And um, just the, um, the fact that he linked ethnicity with class, which you were speaking about mm. a bit before, I found that very interesting that he didn't expect or didn't think she deserved to be in an environment like that. Yeah. And because he, he she was black. down a bit when he realised that she was the help. Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on the same level, yeah, sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Very interesting topic. Another theme that came up. Yes. Ah, this theme. <laughs> because how do you break it down? It was mm-hmm. womanhood and mm-hmm. feminism. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, I wrote it down and I was like, oh, I don't know if I really, really saw the feminism. And ironically, like most people who, I think maybe because I've spoken to people who aren't black and, you know, don't relate to the culture aspect of it as much as they do the feminism aspect of it. Yeah. I'm like, wait, where's the feminism? Like uh, maybe just because I'm not looking out for it. Yeah. But I, so I didn't see feminism as much as I saw like the maturity of a woman yeah. and someone coming into their own. And I guess some would argue that is an aspect of feminism, feminism yeah. in terms of being an independent woman and not your identity, not relying on a man. Yeah. But I think that's just a part of maturity and mm. growing up. Mm. Yeah. So that was, that was a difficult one for me to kind of see. But then also at the same time, when I look at individual characters mm-hmm. and their development, mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, you really did come into your own. Like, I think if Emilou's personality mm-hmm. is such that she's quite um, striving and ambitious and independent. And so mm-hmm. she doesn't necessarily need somebody else to get her where she wants to go. Because if she really wants it, she'll get it. Or if she really doesn't want it, mm. she's not going to do it. Mm. Um, but then characters like Auntie Uju mm. really evolved over the story. Like she went from 
depending on her cousin to get her through education, depending on her sugar daddy to just get her through the niceties Mm -hmm. of being a 20-something-year-old woman. Mm -hmm. And then there was that shaky ground when she was in America, when she first moved, where she just, she, you know, even though things were going okay, she was stable. She felt very disheveled. You could tell a lot, you know, a lot was bothering her. And then she settled for Bartholomew, that dirty guy. Like, Ugh, Bartholomew has orange skin. <laughs> I can see it now. Like, he's oh my got orange skin and unfashionable glasses. Like, he's that guy. Oh, that's not even a complexion. Orange. You know, just she, she actually moved from like one guy, one guy, one guy mm-hmm. until she finally realized, I don't need this. Do you remember? Like, there's a scene mm. where Bartholomew leaves a blob of toothpaste in the sink. <laughs> yes. I think everyone has their, like, you know, just like personal habits that they can't stand. Like, yes. why does she always push the toothpaste around the middle stuff like that I so she that. must have seen i hate you for that uh she must have seen the toothpaste in the thing she's like oh she must have been i actually don't need this mm-hmm. and it's true she was she was a doctor mm-hmm. she was self-sufficient and that was a great moment of emancipation for her i think mm-hmm. so you can see her coming up she probably did struggle with just having you know the idea that she needs to be relying on someone mm. and then finally she realized that she doesn't mm. she did well without him mm. so that that was good to see and i do see how feminism is is a, a popular theme in this book but you yeah. know what let us know what your thoughts are on feminism and americana yeah. yeah just because i'm a little bit oblivious to it yeah and i do hear everyone talking about it so not just from we know Chimamanda is like an active feminist. She's written great stuff. The TED Talk on um, mm. we should all be feminists. I'm yet to listen to it actually, but I've heard great things. It is good. I've heard a few quotes from it, which I'm like yes, but yeah. I haven't heard the whole thing. But you know stuff like that. So you know make sure you just let us know on Twitter, yes, Insta, Facebook, however you want to tell us what your thoughts are on See, feminism I, and Americana. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a feminist. Mm. I think I qualify as a part-time feminist <laughs> only because there are certain things that Funnily I stand enough, for. I read a Chimamanda quote this morning which said being a feminist, uh, this isn't quote the word for word, but it was like, you know, be, feminism is like pregnancy. You either are or you aren't. <laughs> so yeah, I could be pregnant. Oh, am I? Dumb. I think that's the stage I'm at. But yes. uh, <laughs> I think we're not sure whether or not we're pregnant. We just have suspicions. Yes. I know I do. And for me, it's not that I don't believe women <laughs> should be equal to men. It's just that there are some aspects of my life in which I cheat. But for me, I think one of the um, the one moment in the book where feminism stood out to me was when Ifemeli was speaking to Obinze's mother. Um, well, Obinze's mother actually approached her mm. um, about the topic of sex. And um, she basically told her that when you and Obinza are ready to share that intimate parts of, of who you are, be sure that you are very aware of the fact that responsibility, more of the responsibility relies on you in terms mm-hmm. of you carrying the child, you um, looking after the child and whatnot. Um, so just ensure that you don't hold... How can I phrase it? How don't in, don't um, give your power to Ebenze in the sense that he should think of you more than you should think of yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's how I read it. Yeah, and um, I literally wanted to hug her when she said that. <laughs> I Thank felt you, like, Ma. yeah, I was like, oh my gosh. I just number one, I like the the fact that she approached the topic of sex without making it sound like it's something like weird or unnatural. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said unnatural. <laughs> wow, unnatural. <laughs> 
Um, and yeah, she was just very mature and gave practical advice. That's true. Um, yeah. Which is very different in, well, in my sort of Ghanaian culture, what I've experienced anyway. Mm. It's laced with like scripture reading and not practical advice. I think if it if it came to the if it came to the the place in the book where Abinze and Ifemelu had a child at that young age, let's say, Abinze's mother would have held her son equally as responsible. Yeah. From the way she gave that advice to Ifemelu. Yeah, definitely. Um but yeah, talking about like maturity of women, um, I'm gonna have, bring up my homegirl Kossi. <laughs> I know you don't like her. I don't, I don't respect her at all. Well, do you know what? I I have I was speaking to my friend about the way um, Chimamanda breaks down characters. This we're seeing Kossi from her lens, and so she's painting Kossi to be this sort of meek, sort of like. Um, Yes, master. Should I? Yeah, no, this kind of we woman. No, because she has backbone. She just doesn't apply it where necessary. She did though, no. like towards the end of the book. So. so when her man is ready to leave her and her child, and she's <laughs> thinking about who's going to pay for my lace, why people are going to stare at me funny. Do you honestly think she was thinking of that? I think she was more concerned with the reputation, with Rather her reputation, than, oh. yeah, than you know, you know, than the acrobatic sex as she described. I that loved part. that part. Oh my gosh! <laughs> so you think you've had some acrobatic, acrobatic sex, sex with your university <laughs> girlfriend? <laughs> I was like, hmm, what is acrobatic, acrobatic sex? sex. <laughs> mm, for real? <laughs> no, but I think like if you can, you know, if you can make that sacrifice to keep your reputation intact, why didn't you work hard at actually getting to know your husband? You know? I suppose for her, that isn't really important. That wasn't her idea of what marriage should be. that's why I don't respect her. Fair enough. That's why I don't respect her. She was very lucky. I think Obinze would have been that understanding husband. And he wanted a wife who was also an individual that did her own thing. Do you know what I mean? And not just making food and blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, next theme. Yeah. It's going in a bit we've, too deep. We've now. dwelled <laughs> yeah. on the womanhood. But um this was an interesting one mm-hmm. because again, I just naturally wrote it together mm-hmm. and then I was like, wait a minute, hold the phone. Do they go together? <laughs> mm. Um that's love and loyalty. Which um what what I found really interesting is so, you know, we see different relationships, you know, different parents, Ufemalu and her numerous boyfriends. Um, Obinze and his relationships and it seems that like love is always coupled with loyalty because obviously mm. that's what you expect in a, a good relationship a strong relationship a marriage mm. but it doesn't always actually exist coexist they don't actually go together all mm. the time mm. so like I think of Auntie Uju mm-hmm. she clearly loved the general and I think well, I, I can't be sure on his side, if he actually loved her. Because we don't know how many other anti-Ujus there were in his life. True, true. But I mean, she definitely loved the general. Yeah. And for that reason, she demanded loyalty from him. So there was mm. a public holiday and he told her he was going to come down and spend it with her. <clears throat> and she, she'd she gone through the work. She was cooking. She waxed. She waxed, which is not enjoyable. Mm. Um, and she dressed up. I think she'd done her hair even. She went And she, she didn't in. come and she flipped. And the irony is that she's expecting loyalty when she's the side chick. Mm. She's actually someone's side chick. He's married with children. Mm. You, you know, you don't... He doesn't actually owe you anything. Mm-hmm. But she felt that she deserved a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. So why, why do you assume that? Because you're in love, 
mm. you are guaranteed loyalty. Mm. And even like Ifemelu, as soon as she felt that she had been disloyal to Obinze when she had to like do that thing with that guy, I still don't really have a clear understanding of what happened between Which them. guy? The, oh. the coach. The coach, when she did yes. that thing for money. Yes. I think she just kind of like chilled with him naked. I'm I'm not sure what they did. No, no. Some it went down. Something went down. Okay. Yeah, they didn't have sex, but something went down. Okay. But yeah. As soon as she felt she'd been disloyal to him, it almost felt as though she she couldn't love him. So she didn't even try to, mm. to get in, in contact with him. Or even, you know, allow her spell herself to feel um to relate to him on that level. Yeah. And then Kurt her boyfriend did yeah. the same thing when she cheated on him. Yeah. He, it like the, everything just went sour from there. Like she definitely wasn't in it as much, which is why she cheated. He was a bit possess- um, possessive. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's why I think she kind of lost interest, lost the love a bit, which is why yeah. she cheated. But his reaction to it. No, she didn't lose interest. I don't think no. she was just curious. She even said, really? Yeah. She was curious. But you think she still loved him? Exactly. I think mm. I think something would have led to that curiosity. And even mm. even for me, I'm, I just don't look anywhere else unless I'm actually looking to sign out. Mm. Log off. Log <laughs> off. <laughs> Log off. Log yeah. into a new website, you know? Yeah. But um, I think, and as soon as like Kurt felt that he'd been, you know, he'd, What's the word I'm looking for? When he felt that he... Been betrayed. Yes. That is the word I'm looking for. Once he felt he'd been betrayed, mm. his love was very tainted. And, you know, mm. the snide remarks came. Mm. That can be painful. He called her a bitch, I think. Yeah. Raw. Rude. So, yeah. What did you think about that? Yeah. I mean, for me, on the flip side, um, let's talk about, like, loyalty existing and not necessarily love. So there was a moment in the book towards the end when Obinze was talking to his friend about how Ifemelu's back and, you know, he wants to be with her. And the friend's advice was like, do you think you're the only one that um, is married to someone that you don't love? Acrobatic sex. Yeah. (laughs) He basically was advising him saying, don't behave like white people. That's what he said. Um, In the sense that you will be married to someone and because the love has sort of died for you, you're going to leave that person and go with someone else. He was telling Obinze, you can still see Ifemelu on the side mm. um, and be with Kosi, um, and that's fine. So I suppose if he, I mean, if he was to uphold that scenario, mm. his loyalty would be to Kosi in a sense with like the marriage, yeah. maintaining a, a good picture. But his love would be would be with Ifemelu. I I mean I'm aspiring for two at the same time. I'm to be honest, for two at the same time, but um, I've heard that before. You know this kind of yeah. Well, you can't have everything, so just take what you can get. No, I'm gonna have everything. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I guess marriage, for whatever reason, is super important in West African culture. I'm gonna yes. say African. I'm gonna speak for the whole continent. And so yeah, from a lot of discussions I've had. With other people. It's not that everyone's attaining to have both someone they love and someone yeah. that they can be loyal to. But what's likely is that they'll get to a point in their life, maybe late 20s, early 30s, yeah. where they decide they're ready to get married. And whoever's closest yes. to that in the time will do. Not necessarily whoever they know can fulfill that. Whoever is like... His friend enough. actually said that. Abinze's yeah. friend said that, yeah. 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 
you married the right, you know, whoever's the right person at that time. Yeah. And you just have to stick it out. Which I find unfortunate. I rebuke it <laughs> for my own life and yours. Mm. And everyone else who wants love and loyalty. Mad. But yeah. Um, let's talk about more technical things like Aditya's style mm-hmm. and her technique. I really loved her ability to summarize a character succinctly. Yeah. Even like, so I mean, she does it to every single character, but even like when if Emily's getting a taxi when she's going to do her hair mm. and she talks about how, um, you know, like Nigerian taxi drivers and there are two types. There's the type who wants to like show off mm-hmm. and there's the type who's almost embarrassed mm-hmm. at where they are. Mm-hmm. And the way she wrote about that, mm. I, I could relate. I completely understood. And it's actually mm. so true. There are some people who are working in jobs that they didn't really want or didn't really expect for themselves because mm-hmm. of, you know, their life as an immigrant or, you know, mm. just what life has handed to them. Mm-hmm. And they're either trying to, compete or show off that you know what i am somebody mm-hmm. or they're actually so like withdrawn that that taxi conversation is telling take a left mm. yeah just anywhere here and that's it mm. they, they just don't want to speak to you whereas others mm. are trying to be like oh you're from here you're from there. i'm from there even and it's not even a case of if you're from the same country or it's from the same mm. region just Oh, I know a Ghanaian. And that's it. Yeah, Some, it's that's true. It. That's what's been my best friend from then on, you know? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, just the way she writes about that, I think that was a really great example of just how she she creates a character mm. so quickly and so well. And she does it with so many other characters, like the running, I, it's almost like running commentary, like of Emenike's character, because mm. he's it's a different Emenike from the one that we know in school mm. to the one that marries Georgina mm-hmm. in London and mm-hmm. eats in Mayfair and all that BS. We know you're a bush boy. Mm. Don't try it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But she didn't, she never had to say that. Yeah. We just saw it. We just saw it in, you know, yeah. the commentary and the things around his character, the behaviors, even the way man just went off to England and told mm. no one. Yeah, yeah. He just kind of disappeared. And yeah. the second Obinze became someone, Somebody. Yeah. He had his number again. You yeah. Know? So I just, I really like the way she writes that. And then also, um, I really appreciated mm. the blog ex- excerpts. Mm. So the second time I read the book, I didn't actually read it. I listened to it via audio. Mm-hmm. And this is when I actually began to appreciate it because it gives like a different perspective to all these issues that Ifemelu faces because Adichie obviously writes from the perspective of a narrator. Yes. And even though Ifemelu is the main character, the protagonist, yeah. as a narrator, she has to remain slightly objective. Yeah. And so when she writes as Ifemelu yeah. with blogging, yeah. you get the more opinionated and in a cer- to a certain extent, the more real side of the issue. So where she is talking about race as a narrator, mm. she'll just tend to describe the situation. But as Ifemelu, she will give it that personal, yeah, that personal flair, and yeah. you know the style of the blog is that she's a bit sarky, yeah. a bit opinionated, a bit you know high and mighty, if you will. Yeah, but that that gives you the reality of the situation, and you know yeah. the re- how she really feels and how it, so all these situations make people feel. Yeah, and so I really enjoyed that, and I think that was something that made the novel quite distinct. In yeah. That. Just like um, Shan said to her that the only reason her blog has success is because she's an outsider. Mm. And that's, I think that's what the blog brought, you know, it's not neutral. Mm. This is, this is what this Mm. character is feeling. Mm. This is it. And the fact that it was a blog as well Mm. kind of gave it a bit of a public 
feels mm. weird. Like it's not just Dear Diary. This is something yeah. she's putting out to the world. Yeah. So I really, really enjoyed that. What about you? Um, I really liked how Chimamanda would transition from past to present or present to past. Mm. Um, it was so fluid. Like we, we began in the book with her and the hairdressers. And then we ended up with her in school. And before I even realised, I was like, oh, new scene. And it was just very nice and smooth. There wasn't any rigidness to it. Um, it, it. I found it a bit more relatable in that sense. With like, it, it felt like I was having a conversation with her in the sense that I'm reading something and we're just mm. talking and she's recalling memories and moments and I'm going through it with her. Mm. So it was very nice and comfortable for a reader to experience. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed the way um, Chimamanda would describe a scene. So I suppose it goes, it lies in with what you said before, um, her attention to detail. She would, perf- well, as she would try and um, include a, a lot of detail when it concerned a scene, even if it wasn't really a big moment, something as small as when, um, um, it was it Emineka or Emeka? Emineka. Emenike. Emenike. That's what I call him. Okay. We didn't check the pronunciation. Ibos, let us know. I apologize. Ibo people, let us know. Um, uh, When he went out to dinner with Georgia, Georgina, Mm. and Obinze came too, and she described what was on his plate um, as um, seaweed or some grass that was sort (laughs) of accompanying some sort of small meat portion thing. And I honestly laughed out loud on the bus when I was reading (laughs) that part because I could imagine perfectly what she was talking about um it made me minimum yeah 26 pounds (laughs) exactly crazy amounts as as a reader if um an author takes the time to um perfectly describe a moment it makes you feel like they care about you in a sense Mm. that's what i felt anyway she made an extra effort for me to understand what was going on in that scene so i really did like that sort of writing style that she has Mm. yeah all right, can I talk about my favourite part? <laughs> yes. Okay, so, so my favourite part in the book, um, which was what I mentioned earlier, actually, when um, Ifemelu and Obinze's mother were talking about sex mm. um, and she gave her practical advice and um, in a very empowering way, she made her realise that, you know, you have the power as much as he does as well. And so just understand that the responsibility is shared even though it shows a lot more on a woman because you carry a baby for like nine months but um you are equally as responsible to protect yourself don't give that to a guy to be concerned about you more than he would be about himself mm. i loved it yeah honestly um so yeah that was my favorite part least uh, favorite part uh my least favorite part would be when if Emily was intimate with that that coach that mm. guy um just that so he, was sad. it was gross I felt sorry for her that she had to stoop so low because she didn't want to, but she it, sort of had no she, yeah, she, choice. She didn't see any, any other way. Not at all. I mean, jobs just weren't, job applications were just falling through. She wasn't getting a job. Mm. Um, and Auntie Uju couldn't support her because she was grinding with her course and Dickie. Um, and her parents, well, her dad had lost his job. I think he was depressed as well in, in Nigeria. Mm. Um, and her mother... Oh, they have an odd relationship. I, I suppose she just didn't want to put strain on her family, yeah. especially come. you're living in the West. There's that expectation yeah. that you're balling. And so she felt that responsibility and to not be able to provide and then to go and ask, it was too much. So she thought, yeah, let me just do this one too with the 
with a guy. <laughs> it paid her rent. It did. That's, that's um, what she wanted to pay her rent. Yeah, and it. I didn't like the fact that it it spoiled her relationship with Abinze because yeah. I was rooting for them from day. Um, I even, didn't like what they were doing at the end, yeah. but um, I was rooting for them. Even he was sad about it when she yeah. finally told him. He's like, oh, "Why didn't you? Just why didn't you tell just me? say?" But I suppose, how do you say it? How do you say it? And then how do you know how you react? I mean, yeah. he's coming from the perspective of I'm an adult now. Like I get that, but you know, then as a teenager, would how would you? he have reacted? Yeah. You know. Yeah. What about you? What was your favorite part? My favorite part um, was. Not that it was a great scene, but I just, I liked the fact that that discussion happened and what it brought out. So if Femelu had gone to stay with Dike and Auntie Uji for a short while mm-hmm. after Dike's attempted suicide. Oh, yeah. And if Femelu um, said this to Auntie Uji, she's like, you know, do you, this isn't it word for word. It's in, I think, chapter 28. Mm-hmm. And she said, do you remember when you said to Dike that he's not black or... He shouldn't be act like one of them. She was like, yes, I do. And she's like, yeah, but you didn't tell him what he is. She mm. should have told him what he is. And she's like, that's why this has happened because, because of his experience mm-hmm. as a black boy. Mm-hmm. And Auntie Uju said, no, he suffered from depression and he attempted suicide. I have three patients who've attempted suicide. One succeeded. Mm-hmm. And um, the first time I read the book, I was absolutely on Ifemelu's side because... I think just as a part of growing up, you struggle with your identity and then to add Mm. race and gender and sexuality, all these things that are Mm. so, I won't say fluid because race isn't fluid, but you know, you know, if you're mixed race, it kind of is, you know, all these different things into play and people will treat you according to that. Just like, you know, people Mm. treat you, if you're gay, you have to be this way. If you're straight, you have to be that way. It's not actually true. And so when you, are suffering from an identity crisis if you're Mm. really not too sure if you're not if you don't have a firm belief in who you are Mm -hmm. then that can cause a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. and i think that dk yeah just didn't have that strength not to say that auntie uju had failed him Mm. completely because she did the best that she could Mm -hmm. as a single mother with no family around her at the time that she was raising dk in america Mm. but i just thought someone said it that this is actually a real issue. When I was a child, mm-hmm. I remember my mum pulled me out of my first primary school because mm-hmm. it was a really good primary school and I was the only black girl in my class. Okay. And Why I did suffered she... as a result. I wanted uh... to be white. I wanted to have hair like Sally. I wanted, mm. why doesn't my hair do this? Why doesn't my hair, do... to the point where she could see that I was beginning to oh, really? dislike my blackness. Oh, and she pulled you out? I went okay. to a different school. Yeah. My parents couldn't afford a fee-paying school at the time, but in the interim, until yeah. I could get into like a yeah. good state school, they paid for me to go to a fee-paying school for mm. a couple of months just so I wouldn't be the only black kid in the class. Because at reception, you don't want your child ingraining in their mind that they're not good enough because yeah. of something that they really cannot help. Yeah. Even bleaching, you'll just turn orange. Yeah. You're not going to turn <laughs> it's white. Yeah, it's true. You're not actually going to turn white. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. On, and on the flip side, mm. Auntie Uji was arguing that, you know, depression is real. Yeah. Mental health issues are real. Yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Um, uh, Yeah, by the time this podcast comes out, it, it's going to be October. Yeah. Um, and Mental Health Week was at the beginning of October. Yeah. And it's something that has become I've become increasingly aware of more recently just because I've met people who've had mental health issues Um, I made a friend who is a counselling psychologist and um, 
it's just something that I'm so much more aware of. Like, yes, it's true. Yeah. Depression is real. And it can incur, it can occur in absolutely anyone. Um, my friend, Dr. Vicky Wana, she, um, she's coming out with her own podcast. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> we'll put the link in, in the description, but she wants explain to me that you know your mental health is just like your physical health mm. you can catch a common cold mm. or you can have pneumonia similar symptoms mm. you know but it's just different degrees of mm. it and your mental health is the same you can just have like a bit of a bad day mm. or you could end up becoming schizophrenic either way it's not your fault fair enough you need to dress up wrap up warm yeah and i guess there are ways in which you can Better your your mental health. Yeah. But you, you can't always help it. You can't control True. it. And I think it's fair enough to admit that. And it's not just exclusive to the West. Yeah. Like, I, I genuinely believe that um, um, if Emily's father was suffering from it too, when he was um, sacked from his job mm. and he couldn't provide for his family, it, it, it definitely hit his, his ego. ego. Yeah, <laughs> big time. Um, and you could tell from the way Chimamanda was describing his character... Um, but yeah, it's just that in African cultures, the word is still a taboo, really. Mm. Um, yeah, if you're black, you're meant to be strong. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I've struggled with that, having to be strong. I'm over but it now. But you can be strong and still have mental health issues. <laughs> you can. It's true, it's true. Yeah. So even though it was quite a difficult one, and it sounds a bit negative, but I'm just glad that the conversation happened. Mm. And that you, you think about, one, your identity. Yeah. What's that rooted in? And two... Mental mm. health, it's okay. My favorite part, yes. Um, just because I thought it was a bit boring and blah. <laughs> if Emily's relationship with Kurt, <laughs> I was bored. I wasn't excited. Oh, I, just I thought, enjoyed it. <sighs> I did. The thing is, like, I didn't. I I think I only it only irritated me when I read the book a second time. I kind of wanted to skip it, but I was like, oh, for the sake of the podcast, let me just mm. <laughs> endure this so I can pick up what I need to pick up. Mm-hmm. But I think the reason it irritated me so much is because I realized like if Emily essentially had access to white privilege, mm. she had a white privilege visa. Yeah. For the time that she was dating him. Hey, um, you know. Wonders. I know, right? If only, <laughs> if only I could touch the hem of the white privilege garment. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. So that just, it didn't interest me. Right. I guess it it built her character or whatever, but I don't like her, I don't think. Like you said, he he came up quite possessive. Yeah, he was. I find that a lot with men. Sorry, guys, if you're out there. Some men. Some men. Yes. Who are especially caring and especially loving turn out to be especially possessive. (laughs) <laughs> not like one day they're buying you jewelry the next the next day they won't let you leave the house but yeah. just kind of they want that constant attention yes it's it it's like if you're like that and that's not true i'm sorry it i i felt like if emelu was very clear about how much kurt meant to her like she cared about him but he demanded more what a game do you know what i mean <laughs> that that was the, the sort of feeling that i've got from the from the book he just wanted, he wanted to be her oh, do you remember? Everything. Yeah, he was like, I, I want to be the love of your effing life. Yeah. And I was like, uh, I think she said to me along the lines, like, I care for you so deeply. This is after the, um, yes, this is after what happened, happened. And this is where I say like the love turned a bit sour. He's like, I want to be the love of your fucking life. And I was like, yeah. oh, okay, sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right then. <laughs> so yeah, that was Americana in a nutshell. Yeah. We really did like this book. Yes, we? we did. We did. The yeah. next book we're going to be covering is Homegoing. It's actually quite a new book. It only came out this year. 
by a Ghanaian American author called Yajisi. Yes. So, yeah, of course, we'd like to encourage discussion online about Americana mm-hmm. using our hashtag, hashtag Americana SBC. Yes. And um, just give us your perspective on the book, on the podcast, anything we've missed that you would like to be talking about. And yeah, just get at us. You, of course, can get us uh, get at us on Twitter, mm-hmm. at the Sankofa BC, on Instagram, at the BC, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Sankofa BC. Um, yes. We have an exciting announcement. Yeah, Drum roll, do. please. We're doing a competition. Yes, we woo, are. Woo, woo, woo. Because <laughs> since I decided to start reading more, forced intelligence on myself. Yeah. Books are expensive. Yeah, they are. And because we really do want you guys to be able to read, we want to do some giveaways. We want give to give it to them. Yeah, give, give it to them. them. <laughs> <laughs> we want to do a giveaway. So... Um, it's actually really very simple. Um, we've covered quite a few issues here, but we think a really great one to discuss would be race mm-hmm. and identity. Mm-hmm. So what we'd like you guys to do is um, just share your views on your racial identity. We'll post a picture on all three platforms yeah. um, with the question, what is your racial identity and what does that mean to you? Mm. And so to get a chance to win our wonderful prize, um, we would like you to share the post yes. directly from us and answer the question that's been posed and in as much detail as possible, yeah. I guess. Um, you have to tag us. Yeah. So if it's on Instagram, tag us. Tag our Instagram. Twitter, at us. Yes. If it's on Facebook, tag us. Yes. And you have to use hashtag Americana SPC so people know what you're talking about and they don't think you've had a sudden <laughs> like <laughs> passion to share with everyone that you are black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so you can share on different platforms. So basically, yeah. if you are on Facebook and Twitter, you can share it on Facebook you can share it on Twitter. That will increase your chances of sharing it. If you share it five times on Facebook, mm. no. <laughs> um, and yeah, so how do we choose the winners? Basically, So we are going to choose the winners according to the quality of their answer and also the quality of their responses. And what we mean by that is how many likes, how many shares, and also um, the comments your, um, your repost receives as well. So yeah, as long as you're, you have a good answer, don't write black. And then mm. get a hundred likes because mm. that's a bit dry. Just give us a bit of explanation, even if you're. <laughs> in, I just no, realized like, what you just said. Like, no, <laughs> if you just like shared it, oh, like oh, what's I'm she black. gonna say? I'm black. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you said that and you had a legit reason for saying that, sure, give us that legit reason. We really want to yeah. engage with you guys and see what you're thinking and see if this book has provoked any thought with respect to that. Yes. So, so the competition is running from the 24th to the 30th. So you have six days. And of October. We, yes, of October. <laughs> and we will be announcing the winner on the 31st of October. Um, so yeah, get involved. And the prize would be the next book, Homegoing, which we're going to be reading. It's a great book. We've already started. Yeah. Um, so yeah, thank you guys for listening. Um, even if you don't want to win the prize, which would be quite shocking, do mm. get in touch with us. Yes. Um, tweet at us, at the Sankofa BC. Um, talk to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the Sankofa BC. Yes. And like our pretty pictures on Instagram, the BC. And, you know, like, share, comment, subscribe. All of those. That's what all the YouTubers say, isn't it? Yeah, they do. We're podcasters. So, yeah, share this as well. We're on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah. Like, share, comment, subscribe. 
So yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, we'll Evening, see you next week. time. We'll hear you. We will speak to you next yes. time. Why did I say we will see you? Anyway, bye. Bye.